0: thanks debbie it's it's of all the different things that came out of the pandemic one of the things that's actually kind of good is just how it has forced us and now allowed us to stay in closer touch even when for various reasons people need to be at a distance so debbie thank you for that now we are in the fourth and final week of the season of Advent, the season of anticipation of the coming of Christ. So we've heard these prophecies about, about how Jesus was foretold as, when he came as a baby in a manger, but we've also been putting our focus on the prophecies that foretell what will happen when Jesus returns as the coming king, to usher in a new heaven and a new earth, so last week, we did a, a bit of an overview of what the Bible talks about with the new heaven, the new earth. And I. And today we're doing something that is a bit of an experiment. So if it's your first week here, you're like, do they always do the preaching like that? No, we don't. We don't always do that. But this is what we're going to do today is, is I asked you to submit your questions about heaven and you delivered. (laughs) So we've got a whole bunch of questions uh, that we're just going to be working through and tackling through. And uh, for this, I I brought a couple of props. Uh, Well, for an important reason. I've got some, uh, for some answers, I'll put up a green card. Okay. For some, I'll put up a yellow I hope you can see the difference on the screen. I know it's a little bit subtle, but green. Because for, for some, there are going to be answers where the Bible actually speaks pretty clearly about this. And so, you know, that will be a green card answer. Like, yeah, this is, this is something we should definitely expect in some form. Others, there'll be some honest speculation. This is a hazard, you know, proceed with Caution. Um, and, and I'll be doing some theology with you. We'll, we'll just be making some speculations based on maybe biblical principles or things we know about God's character. And, and and here's the, here's the bottom line of this. I I don't necessarily expect you to agree with me. I, I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be some things that I say over the next few minutes together that you'll go, I don't know about that. Um, that's good. Um. Yeah, my goal is not that you, not that you agree with me or even think I'm smart or wise or anything, though don't tell my ego. It doesn't like to hear that. But the truth is, my opinion on stuff doesn't matter very much. But what does matter is whether or not we are people of God's Word. And so, what I'm hoping will happen as a net result of just this study around these questions is that we'll allow God's Word to form and shape our imaginations of heaven. I want the Bible to shape my imagination rather than my imagination to try to reshape the Bible. Amen? Because one of the two things will happen. Either I'll, I'll, I'll allow God's word to form me, or I'm going to take all my little cultural stuff and the things I learned, you know, watching cartoons growing up, or the things I'm hearing in culture, or I saw that one cool movie with Robin Williams, or whatever, and I'll take all of that and go, okay, now I'm going to try to squeeze that into the scriptures. So we want to we increasingly form our imagination, especially our imagination about heaven and the new and the new earth and and this thing that Jesus talks about a whole lot. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So th- this it's actually a really big topic in the Bible. Jesus talks about heaven quite a bit. Anyway, so we want to uh, have our imaginations formed by it. But it's but it is okay to disagree with me. Andrew has lots and lots and lots to learn. So let's work on learning, learning together. You with me? Yes, okay. And you can say, I disagree with you and, and no, nothing's going to, nothing, no one's going to die. It's fine. It's fine. But let's be people of God's word together. So when you do disagree with me, and if you want to have a conversation about it, the, the, where, where we're going to try to go together is and we'll say, okay, so what are the scriptures that you see that speak to this topic? And to whatever degree I have the ability to speak to that topic, I'm gonna to try to open up God's word with you. So what does the Bible actually say? Right. Now, a quick little overview of, um, that we just, maybe a minute or so of what we talked about last week is that heaven actually has a timeline. That's the piece that we so often miss. That is that there is a, the Bible teaches that there is a heaven now, just like there is an earth now, and so, when people die, they go to be with with Christ. Uh, sometimes referred to as paradise, but there's a heaven now, and there's also a, a a heaven where God is on His throne and exalted. We read about that in like Isaiah six, you know, Revelations four and five. There's a heaven now, but the the form of heaven that exists now is not its final form. That one day Jesus will return. Where is it? There. Jesus will return. And as he returns, he will usher in a new. He- there it is, over this way. <laughs> he will usher in a new heaven and a new earth, where heaven comes to earth, and all of the perfection and glory and splendor of heaven will 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 come to earth and re- and. And bring to its full expression the beauty of this world. That will have all of the things that we have on earth only without the shackles of sin reshaping it. A new heaven and a new earth where Jesus has set all things right, where all of his promises are fulfilled. So, let's dive into some of those heaven questions. Marsha and Bev, they ask... Are there different levels of heaven now? Ever wondered about that one? Okay. Now, the reason why they ask this is because the Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where Paul writes to the church in Corinth, I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. What? Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. So Paul is writing to to a church, and he uses the phrase third heaven. It doesn't, uh, it's a passage that doesn't, or a phrase that doesn't show up anywhere else in the Bible. So, yep, it's a little bit of a head scratcher. And this one is definitely, we're heading into yellow card material. Yellow card, speculative stuff. One possibility that's going on there is that this is also Paul being a tiny bit snarky because in, in chapter 11, Uh, he's having to defend his apostleship against a church that has been heavily infiltrated by apostles, by pseudo apostles or false apostles that that have been talking about their big visions. I saw this and I saw this and I saw this and you should follow me. Meanwhile, Paul has been doing the hard work of loving people and planting churches and he's been suffering for Christ as a result. So he goes through all the ways that he suffered and he said, you know what? On top of that, I've had some big visions too. So it might be that he's doing that, or it might be like, and, and this is where I'm indebted to David Jeremiah. Some of you have done some um, heaven studies with David Jeremiah, and this is what he says, and I think there may be something to it. And it, it's a, whether or not this is exactly what Paul meant, either way, it's a helpful thing for us to view with heaven. This idea that when the Bible talks about heaven, it talks about it as things like what we would refer to as the sky, you know, like the, the birds fly through the heavens, we're talking about the sky. When you talk about the, um, consider the, um, you know, the, the heavens declare the glory of God. There's also that second level, outer space level. And then there's the third level of heaven that Jesus refers to as paradise. Or what we read about in passages like Isaiah 6 or Revelations, Revelation chapter 4 or 5, this basically trans-dimensional Space where God is being perpetually worshipped this this place of um well the the, th- the throne room of god the, and the place where when we when we die in the Lord as we go to be with Christ even before we receive our resurrection bodies that's functionally the place you know so that may be that third that third heaven that 's referring to, but basically it's all the, it's it's just that when the, when the word heaven shows up in the Bible, it sometimes comes from different contexts. Sometimes it's just sky, sometimes it's outer space. But we don't necessarily expect the throne room of God to be on the dark side of the moon. I mean, the throne room of God isn't necessarily on another planet. It's, it's present, it's here, it's a spiritual reality that is parallel to our material reality. Constantly there. Okay, moving moving along here. So an anonymous writer asked last week, when will the rapture occur or if? Okay, the Bible is actually pretty clear about one part of it, and that's that the rapture will happen. Multiple passages speak about this. Matthew chapter 24, verses 39 through 41, for example, this is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill, one will be taken, and the other one left. So the fact that there'll be some sort of a rapture around the time of of, the return of Christ is uh, well substantiated in the Bible. Multiple passages, this is something that is definitely, definitely going to happen. Exactly when it will happen is something that Christians have disagreed with. So some people believe that it will happen before the time of the tribulation, and uh, for the record, I hope they are right. (laughs) Others will believe that it will be happening somewhere midway through the tribulation, and if uh, you were part of the Revelation series about a year ago, as I was teaching on Revelation chapter 11, I'm in that camp. I'm I'm a mid-tribber. In case you are wondering, I think there's actually a lot of biblical evidence for that, and for the record, I hope I'm wrong. Um, or perhaps at some, at some later point. But so, so it's green card about rapture. Yes, there will be a rapture. When exactly will that happen around the return of Christ? Honest speculation on that one. Okay, so that's the heaven now rap- and, and rapture questions. Let's dive into the, into the good stuff. The new heaven and the new earth. So first, let's take a look at the passage that probably teaches about what it will be like in the new heaven and the new earth most clearly. This is Revelation chapter 21, verses one through four. Oh Lord, would you just fill our imaginations even right now as we read this? So John writes, as he's had this vision from the Lord, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That's quite the picture, isn't it? No more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. The old order of things The old rules of the sinful world have passed away. God is making all things new. So let's dive into some of your new heaven and new earth questions. So an anonymous writer asked, will there be places for worship in the new heaven and the new earth? And the answer is yes. But everywhere, everywhere. Will there be churches? No, doesn't seem like it. Revelation chapter 21, verse 22, John writes, I, do, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. In other words, God is going to be so present, so obvious, so plain as day, quite literally, that every place, every place will be a place of worship. Every place. Will there be worship? Yes. Where? Everywhere. It'll just break out everywhere. You're gonna be we'll 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 be we'll be grateful to God in every setting, in every circumstance. It'll be great. Um, same anonymous writer asks, will there be time, minutes, hours, or days, etc., in the new heaven and the new earth? Answer to that one is also green card, yes. So Revelation 8.1 talks about how uh, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. In Isaiah chapter 65, verse 20, one of the Old Testament passages that's prophesying about the new heaven and the new earth, never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his years. So there'll be time. There'll be time. Now, now, some of us have wondered, like, okay, so, but God exists outside of time and space, right? Right. God is. God is beyond space and time. In fact, space and time is something that God created, but we're not God. I'm sorry, your Mormon friends, they're wrong. You're, we're not going to become God. But what we will be is we'll become fully, fully human in the new heaven and the new earth. And and we will live and be able to enjoy the fullness of creation that God made for us, which does include time and space and matter. So, and moving on. So Kathy asks, so where will the Holy Spirit dwell? She's so smart. She asks great questions. We will no longer have the need of the Spirit within us. Yeah. Yeah. So, will we see the Spirit of God? and the answer is yes now the, the way that the whole, as far as my as my opinion at least is that the way that the Holy Spirit will work will be will be different because right now the Holy Spirit is the, the one that reminds us of god's ongoing presence, and in that way we're not going to need the Holy Spirit like that, but we will be completely filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is also the one that gives us life and breath and vitality, and we'll be completely filled with the Spirit. Remember Revelation 21.3, it says, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. Will the Holy Spirit be dwelling with us? Absolutely, just absolutely everywhere. okay. Another anonymous question, will the whole earth be Jerusalem? Good question. Answer is no. No, and this is one where the Bible speaks pretty clearly. But the new Jerusalem, the one that's prophesied, will be absolutely massive. We'll have a brand new capital city. And so Revelation 21.10 says this, And he carried me away in the spirit to the mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. When he measured it, he found it to be a square as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and width and height were each 1,400 miles. That's a big city. That's bigger than any city we have on Earth. It's absolutely massive. Will there be plenty of room for people in it? Oh, yeah. Notice it's 1,400 miles high. Who wants a penthouse suite? That'd be cool. <laughs> that is low Earth orbit. This is one big building, one really, really big building. How exactly will that work? I don't know. But... Um, but the whole earth does not become Jerusalem. In fact, the new Jerusalem comes to earth and it becomes the the capital city of earth and presumably then there'll be places around the capital city we can also live. And if you ever thought, you know, you go to New York and you look up because you see the skyscrapers, well, just wait. You know, that's a, that's a long way up. Wondering about that. Okay, next question. This is one you've probably wondered about. So Lana, oh dear Lana, she asked a question that's on many people's hearts. Will all of our pets who have passed be there with us? Have you ever wondered about that? It's okay to put your hand up. Okay. Okay. So here's, here's the part of that answer, for, in my opinion, that is pretty, pretty clear. Here's the part we know for certain. There will be animals in heaven. Here's why we know. Because the prophecies about the new heaven and the new earth involve Animals. Isaiah 65, 25. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. Not on each other. They'll feed together. And the the lion will eat hay like a cow. So will there be animals in the new heaven and new earth? Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely yes. Just like in the Garden of Eden, there'll be animals. And we'll have jobs to do. Now, will particular animals, like... Like our little dog, Piper. I'm not sure about our cat, either way. Um, But, (laughs) just saying. But will will any particular animal, any particular animal be there? Now, that is definitely yellow card. That's definitely speculation. The The truth is we don't know. The Bible doesn't say anything about particular pets, but let's do just a little bit of theology together and maybe you will disagree with me and that is completely completely fine now the bible tells us that human beings are uniquely created in the image and likeness of god and part of what that means is that there's a peace in us a peace in us that has the the possibility of living forever So that's why in our resurrected bodies, we anticipate a new heaven and a new earth where we live eternally with our Lord. That's a a unique aspect of of humanity. Now, animals are a gift from God. They're a beautiful part of creation and it's a beautiful and loving thing to care well for animals. Your bond with your pet is a beautiful and good thing. Farmers, ranchers that care well for animals. It is a beautiful and good thing. Conservationists that care well for animals. It is a beautiful and good thing. The Bible speaks nothing about, the, about animals necessarily having any form of an immortal soul. So we, we just don't know. You know, will, will this particular animal be resurrected? I don't know. So that's the no side of that possibility. Here's here's the yes side, okay? And again, this is is very, very speculative, okay? But um, don't you think that the God who knows the number of hairs on your head, who knows the thoughts in your heart, who knows the things that you truly love and desire, as he resurrects you, as he... reforms your body in 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 a new and improved form from wherever your remains have gathered on earth. See, reforms your body. Don't you think the same God could also bring back into existence some of the things that you cared about the most? I mean, a God who loves you that much would at least have that capacity. So that would be reason to say, you know, maybe. You know, maybe those animals that we've had a very special relationship with. Maybe. Maybe. just Because we serve a Father, we serve a God who deeply, deeply loves us and deeply, deeply knows us. So, there we go. Lana also asks, Will we get to meet the disciples and Moses, Rahab, etc.? Answer At least three quarters. Three quarters, green. Yes. The Bible does speak about that a little bit. Like for example, Matthew chapter eleven, or chapter eight, verses eleven says to this I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And this actually brings up another interesting topic. Okay, is how did the people from the Old Testament, who lived prior to the time of Jesus, how did they get to heaven, and how how do they dwell in the new heaven and the new earth? And the answer is this: in the very same way that that, that we do, is by putting their trust in God as their Savior. Now, in the Old Testament, they wouldn't necessarily know, oh, and his name was Jesus. But but throughout the Old Testament, we see those heroes of faith calling out to God for help. You don't need to get all the words right. But when we honestly call out to God for help, whenever we lived, Whatever our cognitive ability, whatever our location in life, when we honestly call out to God for help, God helps. God helps. Does God help those who help themselves? I don't think so. Does God help those who ask for help? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was, that was true in the Old Testament. That's true for Abraham. That's true for Moses. That's, that's true for Rahab. That's true for all of those heroes of faith of the Old Testament. And it's true for the heroes of faith of the New Testament. And it's true for you and me. That's why we call on the name of the Lord. The only difference between us and them is that we know that the, that the help that God provides, we know his name. And his name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So, there we go. Claudia asks, will we be aware of and miss those not there? And Jerry asks a very similar question. Will, the, will these spirits be able to communicate with each other or even know that others are there? More specifically, with my mom and dad, two brothers and one sister, will they realize that they are all in heaven? Will they know that? Here's, there's a part of that where the Bible's pretty clear. Um, and it will be, it'll definitely happen at the return of Christ and beyond, and perhaps beforehand. So here's, here's, the, here's the part that we know. Here's what we know about this. And we, this is from passages like 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. I'm going to read the whole thing so we can underline this one really key line, okay? Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. So they're asking the same questions, we even back then. So that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. So we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep. That's a euphemism for death. Fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead of, in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them. Did you catch that? Together with them in the cloud in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we we will be with the Lord Forever, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So will we be reunited with our loved ones? Yes. That's really good news. Well, I should say, will we be reunited with our loved ones who are in Christ? Yes, yes, yes. Now, Marsha asks... It's, I love that. These are great questions. When we get to heaven... With all the questions we had, like why are there mosquitoes, that's why, by the way, we should be grateful, at least with the theory that, that God doesn't give all creatures immortal souls. Can you imagine how many, like, like, mosquito souls would be up, like, flying around? I don't know what's going on with that. Um, why there were mosquitoes, or why did someone die so young? Will all those questions be answered just because we're there, or will we actually have, or will we have to actually ask them? Okay. Yellow card, yellow card, speculation. Don't know. The Bible doesn't, doesn't tell us that clearly, but here's, let's do a little theology together and maybe this will be helpful. Okay. Now, even in our resurrected state, we're still human. Now, we're more human than we've ever been. You know, we'll, we'll have abilities that we don't have on earth. We'll have vitality in our bodies that we don't have with our bodies now. But we are still human, and that's a beautiful thing. We're not going to be omniscient. We're not going to be omnipresent. We, we are fully and completely human. We are, we are creatures. Creatures made in the image and likeness of God. But that also means that just as all creatures, we're, we're going to be limited in our knowledge. Now, we'll know a whole lot more than we know right now, and that is wonderful. But, the, but this is actually something I think that we should be excited about with the new heaven and the new earth. Is that as we spend that eternity with the Lord in a, in a place that, that has been redeemed of all sin, there'll be things to learn. There'll be things to still Discover. And we won't come knowing everything all at once. It's not like the Matrix. It's all going to get downloaded into your brain at once. We're we're going to to still have things to learn. And that's great. It's wonderful. Because there's an awful lot to learn. We get to still be scientists and explorers. And we still get to figure things out. So... um, Now, I realize the Bible that we don't have a verse that tells us that clearly, but but at least that's how I'm doing theology around that. In heaven, in the new heaven and the new earth, we will be resurrected humans, and it will be glorious, and we will still be human. Okay. Next question is from Linda, uh, who's joining us online right now. Will this? I love this question. Will we have free will in the new heaven, or when, will will, uh, will we have free, and, and what will keep us from being tempted to commit the same kind of sin that Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden? That's a great question. So if we if we have free will, will we? What if we mess it up again, just like Adam and Eve did? Now, again, speculation. Okay, yellow card. Yellow card speculation. Now, you think of all the times in the Bible where it talks about, "I'm going to remove your heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh." That that we're going to be, I mean, our we're going to continue to have free will, but our will will be freer than ever. We will have free will. And we will use our free will to freely use to follow the Lord. Here's maybe a little illustration. If, 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 if every day for the rest of your life, as you are looking for something to drink, you are presented with, uh, with a glass of crystal clear spring water and a glass of really murky used toilet water, I know this is a gross illustration, but hang with me for a second. Okay, Imagine you have two glasses and they're in front of you every single day. You have absolute free will over which glass to pick. No one is forcing you to pick one glass over the other. Which glass will you pick? The same one every time. Why? Because it is infinitely better. And you can see it clearly. Right now, the problem is our hearts are so messed up, we can't see it clearly. We can't see it clearly. But one day we will. And our our will will be just as free. We'll have every ability to choose. We don't become robots. We don't lose our capacity of, of independent, rational thought. But we will see clearly, and we'll choose, and we'll choose better every single time. That's how, that's how at least I think of that that's going to work. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, so as Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Or it's, the Greek is really interesting, actually. If anyone is in Christ, in the literal Greek, it actually says, if anyone's in, the, in Christ, new creation. Like, Christ equals new creation. The old has gone Or the old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Now, if you've been walking with Jesus for any amount of time, you've probably experienced some of this. Like, your desires start to change. Have you experienced that? Where things that you used to find really appealing just don't appeal to you anymore? Anyone who has been on a recovery journey of any sort... You, you've experienced this. Like, I used to be really drawn to that substance. I used to be really drawn to that habit. I used to be really drawn to that. But I'm, I'm, I'm not so much drawn anymore. Something has changed inside of me. If anyone is in Christ, new creation. And so in the new heaven, and in the new earth, that process, that transforming process that we're already experiencing now by the power of the Holy Spirit that transforming process, that modification of the will will be complete. Won't that be great? If anyone is in Christ, new creation. All right. Claudia asks, will we have all the gifts of the Holy Spirit instead of some of them? Speculation, yellow card, okay. Okay. Um, now, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly what that means in terms of our gifts with the, with the Holy Spirit, but, but here's, here's what, um, I, this kind of links into some of the, well, I know everything question. We'll continue to be human. We'll just be whole, better humans than ever. Uh, better bodies, redeemed will, and part of being human is that we actually need one another. Like the fact that, that we don't, we're not all of us good at everything, that we don't have all the gifts. That's not a, that's, that's not a, that's not a sin. That, that's actually a, that, that's, that's part of the design. We need one another. We need the gifts of the people around us. Now you'll have more gifts than before and you'll be better at everything that you have done on earth. You'll do it better in heaven. But we'll still need one another. So I I don't believe we'll have all the gifts of the Holy Spirit simultaneously because we'll continue to need one another in community. All right, let's move on to another really, really fascinating question. Marsh asks, if we have new bodies, how will we recognize our friends and family? Great question. Have you wondered about that? Boy, you're a lot better looking, Andrew. doesn't look like you anymore. Okay, but, but this is something the Bible actually speaks to you pretty, pretty, pretty clearly. So you get to put a green card up on this one. We will be recognizable in the same way that Jesus was recognizable after his resurrection. Let's take a look at a passage in John 21, uh, verses 4 through 9. Early in the morning, so the sun hasn't come up yet, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, "'Friends, haven't you any fish?' "'No,' they answered. "'He said, "'Throw your net on the right side of the boat "'and you'll find some.'" Does that sound familiar? When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of such a large number of fish. "'Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, "'It is the Lord.'" And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, "'It's the Lord,' he wrapped his outer garment around him, he'd taken it off, and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat towing the net of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it, and they ate some bread, and some bread. So Jesus in his resurrected body, the disciples could still recognize him. You know, maybe it's in the same way that you can recognize a friend when you, when you just pick up the phone and you just hear their voice. Or uh, maybe in the same way, I, we, we've, you, you know when somebody tries to use your name to, to start a scam on the internet? I've had that happen to me a whole bunch of times because I'm a pastor. Some of you have even got like from really weird email addresses, Pastor Andrew, and I'm asking you to do all this stuff. Not a single person in the church has fallen for it. Do you know why? At least to my knowledge, no one has fallen for the scam. Do you know why? Because, because the voice of the person writing in the scam is very different than the real person. You just kind of know. You just kind of know. So in the same way, even perhaps if our appearance is better, uh, markedly better, <laughs> um, after the resurrection, we'll still be able to recognize one another. We'll still be ourselves. Well, just more so. Just more so. So I don't think we need to worry about that. Uh, it worked out for Jesus just fine. Claudia asks, will we all be approximately the same age? Ooh, good question. Now, the Bible doesn't speak, yellow card, the Bible doesn't speak to this one clearly, but, um, but it does seem to point out the fact that we'll be living in bodies that, just like Jesus, no longer decay. So we'll be ageless. Now, some theologians have speculated, we'll all be age 33 because Jesus was resurrected at age 33 Yeah, I don't know, Um, but I think it would be fair to say that we'll live in bodies that are timeless, bodies that are at their perpetually at their best. Does that sound good to you? Sounds great to me. Now there is one really interesting exception, and this is again this is a bit speculative, but let's spend some time with it. Is it's interesting that in passages like Isaiah eleven. That we looked at last week, or Isaiah sixty-five. The infants show up. Infants show up in, in these pictures of the new heaven and the new earth. It seems that in the in the new heaven, new earth, there will still be opportunity for. And this now here, this is speculation. So this part's definitely yellow card. It seems that there'll be opportunities for children that. Didn't have the chance to grow up on earth to experience the joys of growing up in the new heaven and the new earth. And perhaps that will be a comfort to anyone who has ever lost a child, whether that's from miscarriage or abortion, from illness or accident. That it seems that somehow in the new heaven, the new earth, that there is an opportunity for children to grow up again. Or grow up who didn't have the opportunity on earth. And uh, I don't know about you, but that, those words are pretty comforting. So for any parent that missed out on some of the joy of raising a child because your child's life, for whatever the reason was cut off before his or her time. I don't think God's done with him yet. I don't think God's done with her yet. Um, it's so interesting. The new heaven and the new earth, there's, there's infants there, there's infants. Another great question. Uh, Kathy asks, "What about Enoch and Elijah? Now, so there's there's two characters in the Old Testament that didn't didn't die; they just were raptured up into heaven. Okay, will they be there when everyone, or where will they be when everyone is resurrected? And uh, speculation. This is speculation. This is just me doing some 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 theology here. Now, they didn't die. They." They were raptured. But it seems like perhaps like others who, have been, who then will be raptured later on, is that in that moment of rapture, they'll receive resurrected bodies. So God's not done with them yet either. Now let's move on to um, some, some questions about judgment. Because um, th- this, this theme came up several times. So Pat asks this question. Will there be a real gate to get into heaven? We've all seen those images, right? In the jokes and in the cartoons. Will there be a real gate to get into heaven? The answer is no. There won't. There won't. Now there will be gates in the new heaven. and the new earth. You know, Revelation 21, 25 talks about the gates of the, of the new Jerusalem. On no day will its gates ever be shut. For there will be no night there. But getting through a gate is not how we get to heaven. Will there be a real heaven, or a real angel named Peter or Paul that meets you at the gate? Uh, no. There won't. Is the angel at the gate one of the apostles? Did God tell him whether to open it or keep it shut when the decision is made to let me in or out? Uh, no. No. Uh, Revelation 20 talks about the, 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 the time of judgment where, where everybody is resurrected and we all stand before the throne of God and um, we'll all stand before that throne but we won't stand before a gate now a couple of anonymous questions that uh, we're just going to end with so somebody asked it it often seems like it's harder to get in there than I thought (laughs) Yeah. someone else asked so if you've been baptized confirmed you've read the Bible and you've gone to church most of your life but you haven't asked Christ into your heart will you go to heaven? will you get to remain in heaven? or and I think this is perhaps where this, this individual is getting more honest and I just, I just love that we can ask honest questions here I love that about our church So if you believe in Christ and then closed God off because you're angry with him for taking your child but later came back to talking to God and asking forgiveness but you still haven't asked Christ into your heart only into your life will you go to heaven? Let me just address that one pastorally before we try to do any theology. First, um, I'm sorry. That's, there, there, there are some pains that are really, really deep and really, really hard. And, and if, we, if we were able to know all e- each other's stories, even here in this room, there is a whole world of pain out there. And no one should have to, no one should have to bury their child. And, and it's totally understandable to grieve, to be angry, to uh, have really significant faith questions when your heart has been broken that, that badly. So we just need to start there. Um, that's also why we need to be there for one another. Because there's plenty in, on this side of heaven that just doesn't make sense. There's a lot of injustice. There's a lot of things in, in this broken world that just plain go wrong. And, and even though we can say that, you know, that, that God isn't in the business of killing off children. Truth is, God is sovereign. And for reasons that we don't understand here on earth, there are times he allows things to happen with accidents, with diseases, with crime. That on some level he could have stopped. And for he just he chose not to. Didn't cause it, but he didn't stop it. And so it's okay to feel pain. It's okay to hurt. The other thing other question of this you know, these The issue, the other issue these really good questions bring up is one of the misunderstandings that we often have about heaven where we sometimes think of heaven as like a checklist. Whether that's the, oh, here's the good things I did. you know, Here's the good deeds I performed. And if I just do enough good deeds, then I know I've earned my way into heaven. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing, like doing good in this world is a profoundly good thing to do. Do as much good as you can. But just simply having a, having a list of personal accomplishments is not what gets you or me or anyone into heaven. In the same way, there's, there, it's good to be baptized, or if you were baptized as a baby and you got confirmed, those things are great. To read your Bible, to go to church, those things are great. Those religious activities, they are great. But they're also not the checklist of things you need to do to get into heaven. The good deeds that we perform and the acts of worship that we participate in are things that are intended to be the result of a heart that is being changed because we have a relationship with God. There's no one magic prayer. Like if you just pray it just right. You know, just ask Jesus into my heart. It's not so much about praying a prayer just right. It's, it's more about, did, did you believe what you prayed? Honestly asking God for help. We make it really complicated sometimes. It's actually not that difficult at all. We call out to Jesus to help. We call out to God to help. Romans 10 verse 9 puts it this way. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And the good news, friends, and I'm just about done. I know this has been a little long. I hope it's been interesting, but I know it's been a little long. Let me see your eyes for a second. Okay. God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to know you. And so whatever that means, whatever, however best you can express it, whatever your capacity to express it, whatever your language to express it, whatever your fancy theological words to express it, saying yes to God, saying yes to God because of the work that that he did in Christ to redeem you, saying, yes, God, be my savior. Yes, God, please forgive me. Yes, God, please save me. In whatever way you express it, that's eternal life. It's eternal life that we start to experience now. We feel it. We start to change our will, our motives, our heart. It changes. We start changing on the inside now. And it is eternal life that carries us into eternity. Your relationship with Jesus, my relationship with Jesus. Now, however you express that, sometimes even perhaps in anger. However you express that. That's what it means to be saved. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for loving me even more than I love myself. I say yes to you. I say yes to you. Friends, if you're if you're here and you're wondering about eternity, you're wondering about heaven, it's not about how it's not about how good you've been, though I hope you've been good. Santa Claus is watching apparently. <laughs> Think about it, those words, he's he's actually quite a tyrant. He's he's no one you want to follow, but Jesus is wonderful. Because though He sees you when you're sleeping and He knows when you're awake, He's the one. He's the one that has done good on your behalf. So that as you call out to Him, at whatever age, whatever place in life, He wants to receive you. He wants to welcome you into His family. He wants you in eternity with Him. Please, please, please say yes to God. Please, please. Please, please say yes to God. If you you feel distant from God this morning, you don't need to be distant. Just say yes. Ask him in. Even if you're angry, ask him in. Even if you're hurt, ask him in. Lord, help me with my anger. Help me with my hurt. Ask him in.